Welcome to Inside Acme X, a series where we discuss TV, film, video games, creative technology and art with practitioners in Melbourne. Each episode, we interview a resident that works at Acme X, Acme's screen-focused co-working space. I'm Amber Gibson, the Community Coordinator. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, on whose land we record this podcast here in Melbourne and I extend that respect to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander peoples listening in. Today we're chatting to Jason Christou, who is a creator, writer, director across film, TV, documentary, interactive and games. He was a writer on ABC Matchbox Pictures TV series Nowhere Boys and a director's apprentice on Sony AMC's Preacher. And this year is a recipient of the Creative Victoria Creators Fund for his interactive series, We the Jury. Thanks, Amber. (laughs) So I thought we could start from the very start because I'm keen to hear how you first got into writing and directing. Um, when you said start at the start, I was like, oh, hold on, I've got to tell you where I was born. um, (laughs) From infancy. uh, Yeah. yeah, well, when I look back, it, it's funny. The before writing and directing, like I was always, I think, looking for a creative outlet and creative expression growing up. And I was in a band. Like when I was 14, I was the lead singer. I, it was a hard rock band. I was <laughs> probably screaming more than I was singing. And even the sports I was playing, it was always kind of, uh, there was a creative aspect to it. Yeah, I was trying to, you know, do things in different ways and all that mm. kind of stuff. But then ultimately, in terms of writing and directing, um, I saw Fight Club when I was in year 12, which I know is kind of a watershed film for a lot of people, but I saw that and it still remains the only film that... I saw this on VHS as well. Uh, the only film that. that I put straight back in and wanted to watch again because I was like, how did you... How did they do that? How did, I, how did they take me on this journey? Oh, mm. my God, I want to I wanna be able to create a journey like that for people to go on. And I was heading to a commerce degree. I was doing specialist maths. I was like, I didn't know anyone in the arts. I was like... I had, how do I do any of these things? Yeah, so no one in your family was in the creative field? No, no, no. Yeah. Or no, not, not anyone that I knew of that... Well, definitely not in terms of, like, professional artist or anything like that. No, no attachment to that at all. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I'm doing a commerce degree. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Uh, and so... But, of course, the, you know, a fuse had been lit and so... One of the beautiful things when you're doing a commerce degree is you can actually do all these breadth subjects and other things. So I took all these cinema studies subjects and oh, studied wow. like Scorsese and New Hollywood stuff and uh, and just immersed myself. And then I got a job as a projectionist. So I was suddenly immersing myself in like back when literally you're oh, wow. splicing film together. Thirty five. Was that in Melbourne? That was in Melbourne. Yes, that was at Crown. I was a projectionist at Crown for many years through my uni years. Uh, and um, so that was great. I was totally immersed with it. And, of course, we watched films. We tech-screened films, which was just yep. watch it, make sure it's okay. But it, I was kind of – I now know looking back, I was kind of in critic mode. I was like, how does all this work? How do we put all these mm. things together? But I thought, you know, I have to start kind of creating in some way. So I started directing university theatre and then started crewing because I wanted to kind of understand how a set worked and, uh, and then very quickly went, okay, I'm just going to make a short film. So I made a short film and I kind of did everything on it. But I worked with friends and it was a fun experience and it got into Melbourne Underground Film Festival and I was like, okay, maybe there's something here. But then when I re- actually watched it, I was like, 
I'm not sure how successful the telling of the story was. I'm yep. not sure how good a writer I am. or So I thought, okay, I need more training. So I went to RMIT screenwriting and then straight from that into VCA directing. And over that, the course of five years, I made a, seven short films uh, and they started to play around the world and I was like, okay, cool. But um, I, yeah, I, my graduating film, Tony Ayres assessed it and yeah. he really liked it. And I was like, oh, hold on a minute, I'll reach out kind of thing. And at the time he was developing Nowhere Boys. And wow. then that eventually led to work on Nowhere Boys. So that was, was that kind of push my... up that you were. No, so push up. I made. I teamed up with a screenwriter and I'm a T screenwriter. Push up was one of my first short films. Right. Um, uh, Graham Simpson, who is the novelist of the Rosie Project, we were both at RMIT screenwriting together. He wrote this short and he's like, I think you should direct it. You're into father and son stories. And I was kind of like, I don't know. Like, I, I couldn't, it was all about his family. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. But I, I kind of found a way in in terms of father and sons. And we did it. Yeah. We, and it was, it was pretty wild. Like, I was. Uh, push-up contest over 40 years between a father and son. Yeah, I loved it. Rebel? It's really oh, interesting. You. Oh, you watched it? Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And then you went to work on Nowhere Boys. I got to work on Nowhere Boys, which was fantastic. Yeah, so first off, I was a director's attachment, and then I was a script editor, and then I was writing on the show and doing some script producing, and I was on the movie as a director's attachment, and then I was in the, in the writing team on season four. So, yeah, so that was a nice um, introduction, too, to television. And the TV shows and feature films that you've worked on seem to all play within the fantasy action-adventure genre with supernatural themes. Do you enjoy working in those genres? I do. I really yeah. do. The TV stuff seems to have gravitated towards that. But, I mean, for me, I'm always looking for a personal connection to the material. Yeah. Then when I find that, what's the perfect... If from a creation side, like if I... Rather than something someone else has created, um, I'm looking for the perfect form to tell that story. Okay. When I watched Human Resources, yeah, yeah. I was like... <laughs> that was so different than yeah. your earlier short films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's kind of because cause I, I don't like to repeat myself. It makes me a little bit hard to sell because I am interested in different things. And that idea of form for story, it's, it's meant I've been working in all different screen forms now. But I think you, you're finding the vessel for the story to travel on. And But I must say, though, in terms of that personal connection, the thing that changed in my work happened... Um, so I'd, I'd been creating a lot of stuff. And as I was doing it, I... I realised that I was still keeping things at a bit of a distance. Yeah, so do you mean like in with human resources and snake? Yeah, yeah. And the form was still giving me a bit of distance yeah. as well. So I hadn't really honed that executing really accurately on my intention. Can you describe yeah. that idea for human resources? I think looking back, it, it on a really <laughs> on a really kind of um, psychoanalytic level, it was probably me feeling trapped in a life that I was going to have yeah. in an, in different industries that maybe I wouldn't wouldn't nourish me, and exploring that through something really kind of surreal and you know um, mm. and macabre. I'm generally interested in darker stuff because I don't understand it. I kind of search in the shadows too. I find that really interesting and beguiling and, and in some ways 
even though you know as as uh, when we talk right i'm really quite an optimistic person yeah <laughs> but in some ways that's kind of the balance there my, my questions lead into those darker territories i like to explore them but like with human resources there's a there's actually a really dark humor about it that i was looking to explore as well like yeah these, absolutely these possibilities yeah so ground things in truth but kind of find ways to express them that are a little bit more universal sometimes yeah. too And so what have you written where you felt like you've stepped into that personal Yeah, yeah. Narrative? So I think everything kind of changed when I wrote Feud, which was, which was kind of a combination of stories from my family and infused that into this crime thriller that was set in Melbourne and was all about when uh, a, a trauma surgeon who lives in Melbourne, his brother gets killed and he finds out that the link to the killer um, stems from a blood feud that forced his parents to migrate from Crete 35 years earlier and suddenly it's on his doorstep what do you do you're in this modern society uh, and what I was actually really exploring in terms of all the stories from my past and my family weren't involved in a blood feud but there was you know stuff going on um, uh, was looking at how our morality is passed down through our bloodlines and um, how much of who we are and our kind of moral composition is made up of nurture or nature and and then how do we, how does that collision happen when then things happen, like in this case, in this blood feud, when you're trying to find a resolution to issues that are really dangerous and, and really conflicting? And uh, when there is this collision of cultures, uh, cultures in a way, because you inherit some of that culture, but also those generational conflicts. Mm. Um, and so that's what I was really exploring. And I found that, and I found that not only did, was it, becoming nourishing for me and cathartic for me to work in that space but then it the script ended up being a finalist at the Sundance Lab and I was kind of, I was going okay so when you really dig into the personal it actually really connects to people even if that culture seems far and away from their own experience yeah. uh, and then likewise when friends or colleagues read it who um, were also first or second generation migrant they were like oh my god you're speaking directly to my experience even if it was even if it wasn't specifically a mm. um you know hellenic australian experience uh it was still it still might have been a um an experience you know a european experience or a european first second generation experience here in australia um and yeah and so from that point it wasn't that it, it just felt right to, to kind yeah. of continue to investigate the personal uh, yeah, and it's a really gripping story. Thanks for reading it. Did it uh, change much from yeah. that script yeah. to yeah? It's been developed now, right? Well, no, that's pretty much it's pretty close to yeah. Mm -hmm. We've done a few passes on it since, but uh, it's pretty close to where it was. Yeah, I tend to do a lot of work before it goes out, so my first draft has a number of iterations. That's a third draft. Yep. You're reading, yeah. yeah. Do you have writing partners or people who check your work that you trust? Yeah, yeah. So um, 
so feud feud I wrote myself, but I do work um, with a writing partner, Tanya, who's also my partner in life. And so we've got a couple of projects we've written that, um, yeah, we're really proud of and are kind of out there at the moment too. And what's I was talking earlier about how I'm kind of interested in the dark side. I'm a little bit nihilist sometimes in my worldview. Uh, Tanya's super optimistic and kind of romantic. <laughs> so the collision of those... Um, not that I'm not romantic, hopefully. I'm a little bit of that relation. But um, uh, that collision actually, I think, creates something really interesting um, because you get this push-pull yeah. in the work as opposed to kind of staying down a, a tone or a path that may be limiting. So a lot of the time we do a lot of work on early on, if it's a research-based thing, we do a lot of research, we'll even do it separately and then come back and kind of decide what is it. We do a lot of work on plotting and really sort out the whole structure before we jump in. Um, and and then go from there. Yeah, usually I'll muscle out the first pass and then Tanya, who works so much quicker than me, because <laughs> I'm kind of, my process is a lot more kind of sculpting and doing, doing uh, almost painting, like brushing strokes, going to page one and coming back through each time. Yeah, right. Um, whereas Tan can jump in anywhere and just be kind of brilliant. And you've worked on some larger productions, yeah, yeah. international films and then all domestic films as well. Yeah, so yeah. where the wild things are was yeah. shot in Melbourne, but you yeah. were the production assistant. Yeah, I was a production yep. assistant and I was, I was an art department runner. Yeah, cool. it was, so that was kind of, it was early in my, my journey too. Uh, the beautiful thing about that is actually seeing scale and yeah. seeing kind of the size of things. And then I guess sometimes too, when you're on a, on a, a lower role, is that you get a little bit of time to actually observe and see these big decisions being made on that scale too and how people execute an intention when you're dealing with so many more aspects but but also having now worked on productions of all levels you actually see that it's all really similar so the the key thing is about understanding your own process yeah. or your own uh, you know if you're leading the project uh, communicating that vision uh to your collaborators and finding a great space to communicate effectively yeah so with those directing skills do you feel like they are intuitive to you or have you learnt them through being on these larger sets, for example, doing the director's placement with the preacher. I think it's a combo. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think in the end when you start doing your own creative work, you start to learn a lot about yourself and about, about the way you've, you've been built and the way kind of you were conditioned and all of those things. I was the youngest in the family too. So I yeah. think I was super observant and always trying to see where I fit. Everyone has a role in their family. I was kind of the court jester. So I was kind <laughs> of like always, always, um, you know, trying to make so people So you were a performer. I was, I was in, a, in a strange yeah. way. And in that you're always searching then for the reaction. You're searching what makes people tick. And what, so, so I think from early on, I was really observant of all of those things. And so I I realised that I'd collected a lot of that data, I guess, and that comes through then socially and you kind of pick up what people are really like. And and then I guess the craft aspect is you start to observe people on productions and see that they all have different methods of doing that, but they're all kind of still doing the same kind of inherently social and emotional and psychological yes. things, right? Yep. So it's just about sometimes finding a language for that once it then gets to a production level and maybe an efficiency in communicating those things. And a lot of that comes down to helping people find a way to be their best version of themselves. I, mm. I always think a director's job is to just get the best out of everyone. And yeah, I, and making I, people feel comfortable. And and comfortable and in a space that they can play. And you mentioned that part of your process is at the start of an idea, you work out what medium to tell that story yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, So is that what happened with We the Jury? 
Yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. We the Jury, um, which I'm currently a creditors grant uh, recipient for. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. It was nice that it resonated. It's always one of the things when you put a project out in the world to see that it connects with someone, even at an early stage. Can you quickly just do a bit of a sum up about it? Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it's an yeah, it's an interactive crime series it's a game, right, uh, as well, that... Um, that uh, is essentially you've got the accused, uh, you have the fate of the accused in your hands. Okay. Uh, and so um, you have the power to not only solve the crime, but determine the punishment of the accused uh, in a choose-your-own-adventure style series. So as, like, imagine any crime show you're watching, right? And this is some of the idea of, of where this kind of originated was from watching a lot of these kind of true crime shows that we're all obsessed with or podcasts on it, where a couple of minutes in we go, you know what, and I'm not going to say it was you, I will say, you know what, Jason did it. <laughs> totally did it I, I, no doubt. and you look to whoever's in the room with you and they're thinking no, I don't think so or give them a chance you know I don't know is there, there's some sketchy stuff going on sure but I'm not sure right but imagine if you had the power to to decide yeah no, they did do it and kind of matriculate the story in that way quicken it up in in some sense and go no they did do it what will happen to them now if I decide they're guilty now and so the whole idea was to build this thing where you could decide two minutes in to say yes Jason did it and suddenly Jason's character is thrust through the justice system based on the judgments you've made. And whatever choice you make and whenever you make them uh, leads to a wholly unique experience. Oh, wow. So is it a single player or multiplayer? Single player. And through that, and through that process we go through, and through this kind of choices you make that lead to consequences, the idea was to build it so it was kind of self-reflexive of our morals. And we kind of start to see how any moral judgments we make, like we make, we make thousands of minor ones a day, but what if we made sums on a grander scale? How do we see how those consequences affect people but also then affect ourselves and and can we make a story where we're then more self-reflexive of our bias that leads to a lot of these judgments. So who are you working on this project with because it's quite um, like legal focus, psychological, if you're working with moral and social implications. I kind of didn't have the science knowledge of all those things and so I and I went, all right, let me have a look around of if people are, are exploring these things, maybe in science. And, and I stumbled upon Stefan Bode, who's a neuroscientist, who was literally working in the same field. So he was asking exact same questions scientifically mm. as I was asking creatively. So he was doing studies on how our moral judgment changes over time, how our bias affects our decision making. Um, all of these aspects too. And I was like, okay, cool. So I just, I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm working on this thing. I think we're working in the same space, just from different angles. Do you want to kind of team up? And so what we're doing is doing research on th- these aspects and seeing how that research will in- impact the writing as well. So we've got kind of this really, I guess this way of uh, checking or investigating the experience and meeting it against science and the likelihood of someone to react a certain way and that helping us inform these kind of really elastic narrative trees that people go on. Um, and in that, hope to be able to find a way that to make these aspects that are so blind to us all about our biases actually appear in some ways or at least at least question why we made a certain decision as opposed to a lot of the time when we just continue to make decisions and don't reckon necessarily with the yeah. consequences of them. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very immersive, it seems, the game. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what stage are you at? Yeah, so we're still in the grant. Coming from film and TV, games are new to me. So part of it was to, to fill up kind of all of these um, 
all of the mechanics of how we build games and how we create games and, and the narrative design aspects too on a game site and fill that up uh, with all this neuroscience and combine it too. So at the moment, we're still in a very early stage. I'm currently doing some early writing on it and some really early design. So the idea is to have it at a really good pitch level by the end of the grant, which is um, at the end of December. So, um, Has it been an easy transition to move into games? It's been really fun because you're playing in games. Um, what's been nice about it is it's like learning a new language. I find my mind becoming kind of really elastic suddenly. Suddenly I can tell all these stories that have branching elements that you always, you kind of build when you're doing more traditional stuff, but then you spend your whole time carving away at it to do something really distilled or something quite linear or something that fits in a 90 minutes or, or 30 minutes or 60 yeah. minutes kind of thing. Uh, and what I realised actually was that I actually do all that work anyway. I do this kind of what if thing at an early stage of the writing process. Yeah. Uh, but now, and it's not wasted work, but now all of that can actually be the possibility of a player's experience. Yeah, totally, because they become choices, right? They you become don't choices. have one linear narrative. You're spot on. And so yeah. storytelling becomes like story sharing. Like it's yeah. this combined kind of dance that you're going on. And, and, and in terms of where the jury, one of the, the tricky things is, right, when you're dealing with investigating, you know, uh, people's morals is to make sure you take yourself and your message, your moral message or your moral, your moral view out of things. So how do you build a world that, even though, so we're talking about the justice system, we're talking yes. about the justice system which we know is inherently biased. So how do you build this world, this justice system that we replicated in a game system, not to be so biased that the player still requires choice? Or, or sorry, is still afforded the space, the possibility space of choice, so I don't feel like the game's telling them off, which is literally then the creators of the game telling them off in that yeah, sense right. too, right? So are you playing a lot of games to explore yeah, how I'm games are made? Yeah, yeah, it's that, that, that's the, fun, the really fun part. Yeah. yeah. Like games do so many things really, really well too, which are uh, different to the experiences we have in traditional film and TV. Uh, the ability to really step inside someone's shoes is extraordinary and you can get there so much quicker sometimes than, than film and television. And that idea that by doing that and by opening up a point of view so quickly, we have this great um, ability to leap towards empathy so much faster, I think, mm-hmm. in games. You talked about immersiveness, right? That, that's exactly it. I'd been working with all these stories in, in especially feature film, which dealt with social justice, moral reckoning, all of these things, but I was looking for a way to, for the experience to be more immersive. Yeah. How can we activate the audience more? I mean, if we're doing a job in film TV, you, you are, you're still activating people in that, but how can you literally get them to consider the choice, make the choice yeah, and feel the consequences. But it all comes back to all those other tenets about um, can, um, uh, can a punishment ever equal a crime? And we all have that different number in yeah. our head on how that works in that sense. Yeah, like what is justice? For? What is justice yeah. and all of those kind of aspects, yeah. So do you have a time frame around when it will be developed, when it will be released? Uh, no, I don't have an ambitious uh, release date. <laughs> title yeah but um yeah and you're also not only working on this but you've got a few other projects that you're yeah. juggling as well yeah can so, you tell us about those uh, yeah yeah so uh yeah just at the moment also working on so there's a u.s set feature that tanya and i have written that's about to go out uh i got a documentary that we developed through afters uh national documentary talent camp uh, and so uh, working with um, Walking Fish Productions on that one, um, which is great. And then, and we've got with the Jury, of course, we're in the middle of... Uh, How are you juggling that all? Uh, and we're going to run a horror film, actually, over oh the summer. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, 
You f- I don't know. You f- I guess you find a way. It's nice that there are different they're different headspaces in a way. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't feel like you're overlapping and getting caught telling the same story in another space. Yeah, it's quite sense. a positive thing to switch. Well, thank you for joining us, Jason. No worries. Thanks, Anna. Um, that's all we have time for, but okay. we could talk a lot more. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for joining us on Inside Acme X. If you would like to find out about Acme X and keep up to date with the next episode, follow us on Twitter at Acme X Studio.